Hello everyone, thank you for watching No Vision Internet Radio. We are broadcasting on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, but we're not we're not broadcasting on the radio. <laughs> so today we're gonna to be talking to Mr. David Stout, County Commissioner for Precinct 2. And just for those who don't know, uh, me and Mr. Bautista, we've started this probably like two years ago. I've been doing it for seven years, but Mr. Bautista and me, two years ago, we what we we started to do is bring candidates to you to make the decision. We give them a time to talk about their platform uh, and it's your choice to make the decision if you wanna uh, vote for them or not. Uh, for me, this is part of what's called the uh, Rev Up Texas. It's a nonpartisan initiative to educate uh, voters with disabilities to come and vote because our, voice, our voices should be heard too. So with that being said, everyone, good afternoon to Mr. Mr. Bautista and Mr. Stout. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So, Mr. Stout, I know you. Everybody knows your name. I know that for sure. Um, but can you just give those persons, those individuals, those voters who don't know about you, a little background? Sure. So, um, as you said, my name is David Stout, and and first of all, I just want to thank you all for giving me the opportunity to join you this afternoon, and and talk about a lot of the the great things that we've been doing in my office over the last seven years since we've been in office. Um, I am uh, I'm originally from Wyoming. I moved to El Paso when I was uh, um, about about 11 years ago. Uh, I, I used to be a journalist, and I, I was a journalist for about 10 years, and I did my last stint um, as a reporter with uh, Noticias 26 Univision. And so I moved here in 2010 and worked for Univision for a little bit. And then uh, in, in 2011... Uh, our, our former state senator, Jose Rodriguez, hired me on his staff uh, to be a, a communications, um, uh, do, do bilingual uh, media, and as well as binational affairs. And so I worked for him for about three and a half years. And while I was working for him, I got uh, really involved with the Democratic Party. I became a precinct chair, and, and then I decided to, to, to run for commissioner um, back in uh, 20, 2014. So... Um, I've been in office since uh, 2015, and I've I've just really enjoyed the opportunity to be able to uh, to serve the people of Precinct Two, and you know I feel like we've done some really great things. I, I feel like we've been very effective. I'm a very strong leader, uh, very progressive, and uh, you know very effective. And and uh, you know I like to I like to consider myself as fearless too. I don't I don't back down. I, I don't I'm not beholden to uh, any large special interests and I, I do what I think is right. You know, we, we, um, we work really hard. We've gotten many, many uh, projects, uh, many, many, many policies. We're very policy driven, policy oriented. And, and that's what we'd like to work on. And, and you know, <laughs> to be as efficient with taxpayer money as possible and, and make sure that we provide a really high level of service at the county. And, you know, I'm here because I'm, uh, I've decided to run for election. I would like to have a third term if, if the folks will allow me to. Uh, and so I'm happy to, um, to, to offer and, 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 and my time and, and, you know, my, my experience now, I, I think I've, uh, you know, become uh, a seasoned uh, commissioner, you know, I, I'm not a, a beginner anymore. And I've, I've learned a lot over the years, and I think that that experience um, has, has, is going to be uh, really beneficial for voters. And so 
um, that's why I'm running for for office again. I think there's lots of great things that, that we can can we can continue to work on, in in the realm of economic development, in the realm of um, police reform, and in, in the realm of uh, health, uh, providing access to healthcare, and many other areas. So, well, well, that I'm gonna you know, applaud you on that, Mr. Stout, because. Uh, I'm not gonna lie to you. I've been a while back when I first, first, first heard your name was through Abel Rodriguez when you're on his show, mm-hmm. and then I started hearing you come into the different social, um, I guess, uh, events through the past two years. You know, police reform and, and LBGTQ issues. Mm-hmm. And but one thing I really noticed you a lot in, and and as a matter of fact, <laughs> me and my wife had gone down to when they're doing the protests for the Durangito, and um. I saw a lot, a lot of negative comments regarding, you know, why is he there? Why? Well, you're a commissioner, hello. But the point is, wh- why is that important to you for Duranguito for being a historical, now it's being a Texas historical site. Why is that important to you? Well, it's important to me because, you know, this is the first platted neighborhood in, in El Paso. It has uh, so much historical value, you know, whether, whether it's, you know, whether we're talking about um, indigenous folks or whether we're talking about uh uh you know the spanish or 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 the mexican era or you know the um even the chinese uh our mm-hmm. our uh, jewish heritage as well uh, it's a, it's a very interesting and and just full of history and you know i i just uh thought that it would be a, a shame to raise those buildings and erase that history from from our town, from our from our city's core, and so I rep- I represent downtown. I represent that area, and you know one of the uh, uh, policy priorities or priorities of mine that, that I've discovered, a, a, you know, a way that the county can be more involved when it comes to economic development and, and attracting tourism is through historic preservation and heritage and, and heritage tourism, and so. I think we've done a really terrible job of of, of selling our, our history here in El Paso. Um, you know, more and more people travel to places uh, to visit visit uh, sites, historical sites, and and um, people spend more money when they're participating in heritage tourism. El Paso only gets about two percent of the tourism dollars that are spent in the state of Texas, and you know, and I think I think part of it is because we 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 don't do the best job at um looking at preserving these these sites in these areas and and not just that but uh, selling them you know I, I was very surprised that we hadn't really ever inventoried all of the you know historic assets and buildings that we have downtown and so that's why one of my main projects when i first started, um my first year in office in, in in late 2015 and early 2016 was to um hire a consultant to come in and do a architectural historical survey of our downtown and we discovered that we have a thousand historic buildings in our downtown it's one of the largest concentration of historic buildings in the american southwest and our you know our goal was after that was to you know create one big historical district we ended up uh looking to create two one downtown and one in segundo barrio uh the downtown district is has been put on hold for now but the segundo barrio district was just created it was just nominated by the national register for historic places uh, that's a huge win, I, I think, for El Paso, and and it's going to put us on the map when it comes to to uh, heritage tourism, people that are looking at, at you know visiting um, historic districts. I think it's it, it's it's really going to be um, 
uh, a game changer. It's going to attract a lot of folks to to Segundo Barrio, and it's going to do a lot for um, for economic development. And so, going back to Duranguito, the reason why I got involved there is because uh, that uh, there's just uh, so much value there, and and I feel like we really need to, uh, after we have taken inventory, sit down and and say, okay, these are areas that we need to save, and and these are areas that we that we can look at, um, you know. Um, uh, how you're saying, <laughs> Mr. Michelle, is that um, you know two percent of, of the Texas terrorism money, folks. Just to put this in concept, and I, I'm not very educated when it comes to it, but I've heard stories through Max Grossman. Mm-hmm. Is Masia, New Mexico, uh, Laredo, Texas, they make millions upon millions on tourism. So right. when people say, "Why is he there?" or "Why is anybody down there in Durango?" who cares? It's because, it's like Mr. Stout was saying, that's economic growth that could, that could really spur downtown. Because right now, downtown, I mean, everybody knows this. Like I said, I'm not the smartest tool in the shed. But is that, you know, downtown has become a place of where people are leaving instead of going to. And I, can, like, I work downtown. Well, when I work from home, but I work downtown. All my favorite restaurants, hey, I'm a big guy. You know, I like to eat. All my favorite restaurants are gone. They closed up and left. Well, um, you know wh- what I'm interested in finding out is uh, who's who's um, uh, looking for or looking to for the people of the Duranguito. I mean, those most of those people didn't want to leave, right? And and uh, so who's looking out for them? You know, um, our city council, our our mayor, the, the people should be looking out for them too. And I just feel like maybe you you're one of the few that has been looking out for them, but. Um, how how can he get a hold of you personally to, you know, to, to maybe get your give you their ideas or to get you to um, see you know what issues they have that are related to them to to your district anyway. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 always available uh, whether it's whether it's virtually uh, or on the phone. Um, we're starting to get back into the office a lot. Uh, you know, we were. Uh, we were closed down in person due to the pandemic, but we're we're starting to get back to the office. You know, the office is is down there at the courthouse. Uh, you know, you can walk in and, and come to my office, but if you can't get to the courthouse, my number is five four six two one one one, and my email is commission commissioner two at epcounty.com. Um, folks can can send us an email or uh, give us a call if they have any issues or if they want to talk about something. And you're right. Uh, you know, it's it, it's important to be speaking up for the folks that, that live down there. Most of them have left. You know, they were they were displaced, unfortunately. But there still are uh, two people that live in in Duranguito, uh, Doña Tonita and, and Romelia. Um, you know, and they're they're holding on. You know, they're those are some some brave 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 women, and they're 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 doing such an amazing job of of uh, talking about Duranguito and why it's important to them and why. They feel that it shouldn't be raised. You know, they they spent lots and lots of their their own personal time to you know bring that um, that neighborhood you know make it safe, keep it clean. You know, uh, there was some some federal money that they that they helped to bring down a number of years ago to uh, redo some of the you know the streets and the sidewalks and the lighting and 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 such. And so, you know. Um, these folks, these folks are important. Unfortunately, in El Paso, I think we have a we have a, a huge problem with um, 
<clears throat> just uh, you know dis displacing and removing folks that are uh, that are economically challenged, that are poor, that you know, uh, and many 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 times they're people of, of color, they're Hispanic or, or uh, Mexican American, um, and uh, or or even African American, and you know we 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 just do a terrible job. The next the next uh, the next big displacement is going to be because of the widening of I ten, um, you know, yep. and downtown area and and basically between copia and executive center and we all know that when i-10 was was put into our downtown back in the 60s it um separated a lot of these you know neighborhoods black neighborhoods african-american neighborhoods um mexican-american neighborhoods you know the lincoln neighborhood uh the chamisal area and those people are always the ones people that live south of i-10 whether it's um you know, in the downtown area or, uh, uh, you know, uh, just east of downtown have always taken the brunt of all of these terrible development decisions that our community has, our community's leaders have, have made over the years. And, um, you know, I feel that it's incumbent upon me as the representative of those people to speak out. Um, about I'm going to give, I'm going to give you an example, uh, Mr. Stout, of what you just said. Uh, the ballpark, and I know people have their opinion about the ballpark, and I have my own personal opinion on that. But just to give you, uh, uh, capitulate what how inconvenient or the not seeing the foresight regarding the the ballpark is. My mom, my grandma, rest in peace now, but my uncle, he lives right behind the ballpark. So check this out, folks. Is there a certain times and uh, uh, days and time that <laughs> if you go to this house? You have to put a tag on your car. If you don't, they'll tow it. Mm -hmm. So if we go see, you know, come see my deal, we forget to put a tag, they're going to tow the car. So mm -hmm. I'm just saying it's so ridiculous about what they, you know, like you said, the, the foresight of planning out and when it impacts people of low, um, that, see that, that gap, you know, like you said, people of color and, and low income. But once, I'm going to segue into this, um, uh, Mr. Stout, and I want to applaud you like I did when we spoke to, um, Art Fieto, if you came forward when we had an issue, when I say we of the people, a group of us came together and we approached the city, you, Mr. Stout, uh, Veronica, Veronica Escabal, and Art Fieto took the time, you personally, you didn't, send a, you didn't send a representative, you did participate in the discussion on how to make um, vaccination and information accessible for those with disabilities. Because what, what was happening, folks, at the beginning of the pandemic, they were sending out alerts on TV about, you know, washing your hands, where to get tested, and you know, at the beginning. But yet, they were not accessible for individuals like me and Mr. Bautista are blind. And so now, they're, now they are. And number two, if someone wants to get tested or now vaccinated, some of the sites were not accessible. But thank you to you, Mr. Uh, Mr. Stout, and Art Fieta, and Veronica Escobar, of course, the city, which is Julio Perez. Now that's accessible, but I want to applaud you because I think you being you being part of the discussion was very important because you didn't and I I say that for a reason you you didn't send the representative you, you stood in those meetings there were several meetings so I, I do applaud you and I just want to ask you why was it important for you to participate when you could have easily sent a representative? Um, well, I mean I, I think it's very simple uh, and. and uh, you know, we need we need to make sure that we, we make things accessible for everybody. 
and uh, you know, especially uh, folks that, that have disabilities, right? And and um, and I and I participated because you asked me to, right? You know, I'm, I I thank you for for wanting to involve me, and thank you for reaching out to me and, and making me aware of, of those things. But you because, hold on, the reason I did that, Mr. Snell, and not because you're on the, but you brought it up. The reason I did that because I saw you so active in the community. I saw you, you know, everything that comes up within the, the city regarding what, it, you know, like you said, police reform or, or this or that, you're always, you know, in that discussion. And I think uh, it's important to be part of the community to understand. I think if I'm not correct, Sissy Bird said that when she was on our show about being involved in the community, understanding the community. And that helped because now you know what, for example, people with disabilities. And actually, I, I looked it up yesterday. I was doing some of those research. And I saw a video of you on YouTube when the president was going to come to El Paso, the past president, regarding the shooting on October 3rd. You were on CBSN or you're one of those shows, I forgot. But that's what I meant. That what I'm trying to say is you're involved in the community. And that's what I think politicians need to be. Not just because I'm going to be reelected or oh, what a coincidence. I mean, you know, I'm doing this now. But that's just, that for you, Mr. Stout, you've always been in there. That's why, I, you know what? I think he could help. And you did help. And I do applaud you for that, because that's not for now, Mr. Stout, but for the future, God forbid, the next quote-unquote disaster or pandemic. Now there's, you know, there's, uh, there's guidelines put in place to help people with disabilities. But with that being said, uh, Mr. Mr. Babalci, you have a question, sir? No, I just, uh, you know, I, I have to uh, agree with everything that you've, you've stated. And, and this is why people, you know, are really involved with him, because he's always um, there. And it's, it's, it's just a question of asking him, can you, you know, can you help us here? Can you help us there? Uh, it's like in Segundo Barrio, you know, Segundo Barrio uh, right now looks pretty good. I, I, I uh, grew up in Segundo Barrio, and I, and I hate to see El Segundo Barrio disappear as El Segundo Barrio because, you know, I mean, we still go to Bui Bakery. We still go, you know, to those areas um, the, where the where we grew up, you know, and just the other day we were talking to Mr. Morales, who, who has a, who's, you know, participates uh, helping kids and adults. Uh, oh, the Barrio Sports Club. The, uh, Barrio, yeah, and, and you know, it brought memories. I'm, I was telling my, my, my son, I said, you know, I grew up there and, you know, it, it, we need to go back and, and, you know, show our appreciation for, for where we came from. And, um, so I, I, I just think that uh, here, Mr. Stout, get, he gets gifts to the community, a, a very good example of what a good, politi- a good politician should be, not just, you know, show up on uh, during election time, but he's, he's always around. And, and, mm-hmm. and if you need him, you call him up and say, you know, I, I've got this issue here. Can you help me? Now, he may not be able to because it may be out of his reach or whatever, but you have somebody that you can contact. Now, let me ask you this, Mr. Sal, if, and this is coming to the end of the show. Um, what do you have planned if you get reelected? What's, what's on your, I guess, your plate for the next, uh, is it two years or four years? For, yeah, they're four-year terms. Yes. Four so yeah. what, what's on your plate for the next four years regarding issues that really impact um, the city as a whole or the county, really, as a whole? Uh, what, what, what's on your top, I guess, top five things to do? 
Well, first of all, thank you, thank you both for the for the for the compliments you just paid me. I think that's that's that, you know it's very nice and. and but, well, let me let me say this too. I don't mean to interrupt you, Mr. Stout. This is our observation, folks, because people always say, "Oh, you're you're endorsing this." We're our thing is to give you the information, folks. It's up to you to choose who you want, you know, whatever you want. But what me and Mr. Bautista is what we see of the of the politicians that come. Uh, the candidates that come on our show, like CC Bird and like you, Mr. Stout, all everyone stuff that we've seen because we want to give it from our perspective, perspective as a voter. Because me and Mr. Bautista are registered voters, and of course, people with disabilities. But we want to give the full concept or the context to why we're saying things like in the compliments. Because Mr. Stout, if you if you do it, you deserve it. You know what I'm saying? That's why I'm saying that we should let people know. And it's not just a political thing, you know, a hot shot thing, take a picture. But George, I do applaud, uh, you, know, applaud the, you for that. The thing about it, George, is that the the blind population, the blind and vision impaired population that we um, represent, you know, through our through our own um, disability, they need to be aware of this if they're not. You know, that's what we're trying to do. We want them to get involved. We want them to, to have, you know, know who they can contact, who they can call for issues that uh, exactly. affect them, you know. So it's not just about us, you know, trying to be complimentary, but rather, we, you know, we want to talk to people who are going to do things for us too. Sure. Yeah, and 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 you know, I I I, I appreciate that, and you know, I, I also, you know, um, for me, it, it's important to to serve the disabled community just as I serve, you know, I mean, everybody, right? I mean. Everybody should have access to to information the same the same way. And you know, I also uh, when when the pandemic started and we started doing meetings virtually, um, I asked that that we have um, interpreters, sign language mm -hmm. in, in, interpreters, at, at our commissioner's court. We never had sign language interpreters before the <laughs> pandemic, and and I always you know I always wondered why, but you know I, I felt like it, we definitely needed to start doing that. And so now we're going to continue to have. Sign language. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And that, that, that's the thing that I want people to, the, the people that are watching this and hearing this, because I'll, I'll put this into a, an audio podcast. <clears throat> people with disability, folks, not, and I'll let you speak, Mr. Stout, I do apologize. Yeah. At the end of the day, people with disabilities, we, and I think Mr. Bautista will agree with this, we do not want to be treated equal or uh, special. I don't want, you know, I'm, I'm special. No, no, no. We want to be treated equal. So anything that's accessible to you as a "Quote unquote able-bodied person," I want it to be accessible for everyone else. So, I'm sorry that. Go ahead, Mr. Yeah, and, and that's also why you know um, uh, my office uh, worked really hard to partner with the Moms on Board group to create an all abilities playground yes. at Escarate Park, at Risinger Park, and at Gallegos Park. And those was really that when is that going to be done? So, do you know, it started it or not yet? Yeah, so we, we, we did the groundbreaking on those uh, just uh, not too long ago, a couple of months ago. So they're they're in the works. They're in the works. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be it'll be a, a couple of months, but um, you know that's that's going to be a really important addition to to those parks. One on the east side, one on the west side, and of course Escarate, which is a crown jewel of, of the county's park system. Um, but uh, back to your to your question about what's on the horizon, you know, things that we want to work on. You know, I want to continue to work on historic preservation. I want to I want to do a, a countywide uh, historic survey to look at other areas in, in the county that we have historic buildings and possibly create uh, more historic districts there so that folks, because not only does it bring more tourism and put El Paso on the map and help us sell our history, but, you know, when, when we create these historic districts, 
it's it's really uh, amazing the benefits that the property owners within those districts can tap into. They can, you know, if they decide to renovate their building, they can get 45% of their renovation costs paid for uh, by the state and federal government through historic tax credits once they're inside one of those districts. And so we also want we also want to preserve those buildings and, and give people incentive to continue to do so. So I want to, you know, I want to continue to work on historic preservation uh, and bringing, bring, bringing folks in uh, for heritage tourism. You know, the, the downtown um, district designation was not uh, completed. We had some opposition. I want to continue to try to work and, and figure out if we can if we can get that one past the finish line as well. Um, economic development, I think, is really going to be very important. I think we've we've concentrated a lot of our efforts on trying to bring in, you know, big companies from outside of El Paso and and not enough uh, focus. We haven't done given enough focus or, or placed enough focus on just looking at the businesses that we have here and supporting businesses that are here and helping them to grow and incubating uh, uh, business uh, and economic development from within instead of bringing it from outside, developing it from within. And so I'm gonna be pushing for uh, lots of changes within our, our economic development department and our and our strategies and our policies to, to look at that. Um, I think that if you look at other cities that are attracting these big companies, you know they're doing so because the, the companies see how they've treated the businesses that are there already, and and so um, that's that's gonna you know we just need to go neighborhood by neighborhood, make sure that we uh, uh, make uh, these neighborhood make neighborhoods whether whether it's the streets, whether it's the parks, the lighting, um, you know all the, the amenities, they making sure that they have access to um, public public transit, making sure that they have um, access to quality of life. Right, and and that's and that's also going to be what's going to that's what what's going to attract I think larger companies in, in the end, and so economic development is going to be a huge one. Of course, um, you know, healthcare has always been one of my top priorities, even before the pandemic. But with, with the coming of the pandemic, uh, you know, that just uh, you know underscored for me the importance of uh, doing some of the things that we were already work, we were already doing, like our healthy food financing initiative, which is a policy that I created, and you know we um, incentivize folks to come in and set up grocery stores or, or provide access to healthy food within food deserts. Uh, I think you saw we, we've lost close to three thousand people because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. and the majority of those folks passed away due to pre-existing medical conditions that they suffered from. And a lot of time, the majority of those medical conditions had to do either they were, you know, diet related, right? Uh, hypertension, which is, you know, um, diabetes. diabetes, obesity, all of those chronic illnesses that so many people in El Paso suffer from uh, were the cause of the, you know, were, were, were the cause of the um, of, of, of their death when they got when they got COVID. And so. You know, we we need to continue to work to make sure that people have access to food. First of all, a lot of folks uh, still go hungry here in El Paso. You know, before the pandemic, I think, um, you know, uh, 12 to 15 percent of our population was considered food insecure or, you know, didn't have enough uh, to, to put food on their table. And when it comes to children, it's one in three children in El Paso mm-hmm. County. Which is, is, not considered, good. is considered food insecure, and so these are these are issues that we were working on before the pandemic. They were exacerbated by the pandemic, and I think we need to continue to 
to to to work on on making sure people have access to food. We need to increase the number of folks that that uh, are that are eligible to receive SNAP, um, you know, food stamps. Uh, we leave uh, we we leave six million dollars every month on the table when it comes to SNAP because people who are eligible are not are not uh, taking advantage of that program. Um, that's why we have so. I think there's so much burden upon the food bank and the food pantries around town. Uh, we, I think, we really need to work to uh, to get people access to food and not just not just food, but healthy food, right? Because mm-hmm. you know we want we want our community to be healthy. It of course makes their lives last longer. Uh, it makes them more pandemic proof, right? And and it also saves taxpayer dollars because you know when when folks. <clears throat> Uh, suffer from these chronic illnesses, they go to the hospital for their health care because many, many people in El Paso don't have health insurance, right? And so they end up going to University Medical Center, which is a county uh, uh, and a taxpayer-funded hospital. And, you know, they end up going to the emergency room, and that's the most expensive way that you treat somebody is in an emergency room, right? And so uh, any anything that we can do to attack the root causes of, of some of these uh, chronic illnesses, we, we need to we need to we need to spend more um, resources on. And so that's why I've been working really hard with the Healthy Food Financing Initiative, working really hard with uh, UTEP and also University of Texas Houston campus here and uh, trying to um, you know, mitigate that food insecurity. Let me ask you one more, one more question. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have my allergies. Um, well, how, if, if someone wants to volunteer or donate to your campaign, how can they do that? Sure. So um, you can you can uh, uh, give give us a call. Uh, my my campaign phone number is nine one five five one nine one three eight one, or you can go to uh, davidforelpaso.com or you know on any of any of the social media it's uh, uh, at david for el paso whether it's twitter facebook or instagram it's at david for el paso and uh, uh, you can reach out to us and let us know how you may want to help and we would we would uh, love to have your help you know i've i've uh, always kind of run a shoestring budget run run on a shoestring budget and uh, uh, you know try to stay away from from fundraising as, as much as i can because um, you know, it's first of all, it's no fun asking people for money. But um, you know, second of all, it's it, it, you know, there's uh, uh, campaigns cost money. But when you have people volunteering, knocking on doors, and and offering any type of in kind services, it, it really is helpful. And so, obviously, well, we we, we would love to, if if folks want to donate to the campaign, that would be that would be be great. You know, we're trying to stay away from having to depend upon you know large uh, large donors that, that, um, uh, you know, um, uh, or, or, or these, these, uh, special interest groups that, that may, uh, that, that typically donate to campaigns, but, um, you know, we're, we're trying to raise and, and, and do as much as we can. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't like to, I'm not beholden to, to, uh, any group or, or, or any, um, uh, Donor, donor, uh, example, um, you know. I, uh, but I, I want to make sure that um, we can we can run a, a an effective campaign, right? And it costs money, so and and it and it takes time and and volunteers. And you know, I, I've I've re- I've worked really hard in my past two campaigns. 
I've knocked on thousands of and thousands of doors myself. Uh, you'll probably see me come by uh, here uh, in the next in the next months, uh, knocking on your door. If you live in if you live in the pre the precinct, you know the precinct has changed, and so it's going to be a challenge because you know I, uh, my my precinct lost mo most of what I had in the northeast, north of Fred Wilson, uh, and but and we're picking up. Um, areas on the west side, like the Kern area, this, the Mission Hills area on the west side. And, and then we're also extending out north of I-10 uh, to McRae right now, or before it was uh, only out to Hawkins. And then south of I-10, we're extending out almost almost everything to uh, close to Saragossa. And so we're, we're uh, picking up uh, uh, new constituencies. And so it's going to be really important for us to be able to get uh, into contact with the folks that live in those in those new precincts that are now coming part of, of the district that I that I represent. And so lots of work to be done. And, and I would love to have the support of anybody who is willing to to do so. And I bet you it's hard, you know, going door to door because, you know, our culture is like, Hawk, hi, don't say nada, quiet, don't answer the door. You know? <laughs> no, <laughs> you, know? You, know, you know, George, for the most part, people are very, very gracious. You know, yeah, they are. They have people actually invite me in, offer me water, offer me, you know, coffee, you know, sometimes food. For the most part, I mean, I've, I've had very, very few people just like slam their door in my face or, you know, mm. be rude to me. I, th I think people, um, I think people uh, respect the fact that you, as a candidate, you go and knock on their door. Exactly. And, mm -hmm. and that's, that's the really the part of campaigning that I enjoy the most. I don't enjoy asking for money, <laughs> you know, but I, I do enjoy just being able to get out and and reconnect with the people who I represent to understand what what their wants and needs are <clears throat> to get feedback from them, you know I mean I'm not a perfect uh, uh, individual and and uh, far from it, and I like to hear what people think of the, of the job that I'm doing and if they're if they're not uh, you know satisfied I like to hear why and you know if there's something that I can work on to make myself better, to make the representation that I give to the people of Precinct 2 better. I'm happy to hear that, you know, and, and uh, we're always looking for new ways to have impact. We're always looking for, we're always changing. We're always, you know, just uh, uh, trying to trying to do the best that we can, but we can't um, represent people well if we don't know what they, what they want, what they exactly. need, right? Exactly. So, so before, one more time, uh, Mr. Sal, can you give your, uh, your phone number and the website one more time? Yes, the website is davidforelpaso.com and the phone number is 915-519-1381. Okay, Mr. Baltiz, do you have any last questions before we go? No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm uh, I just uh, want to thank him for, uh, for you know, coming to the, to the show and, and volunteering to, to give that information that, so that people can, um, can get to know him because now he's got some, he's going to have some new constituents uh, now that they re- uh, redistricted re or the the, the, the um, remapped the, the district or whatever but um, I think he the people need to know him and this is the best way for them to know who he is and obviously he's you know uh, I'm not um, I'm not going to be a partial or whatever but I'm what I'm saying is that people already know him uh, he's he's served two terms before so he's an incumbent who, who has demonstrated that he you know, he's, he's he wants to do things for the people. So I'm not, you know, I, I just think that the people need to uh, be able to communicate with him whenever they need to. No, that's for sure. So once you, before I go, Mr. Mr. Sal, as I'm going to tell, 
we tell all the candidates to come on to the show. We ask that all candidates, this is whoever's listening to, that you make your, your, your uh, flyers accessible for those who are blind, your QR codes, and if you do have rallies or any kind of fundraisers, uh, to please make those areas accessible for those who use wheelchairs because, uh, unfortunately, that happens a lot. And what happens yeah. is, folks, you lose voters. Okay, you're going to lose voters. Um, so, anyways. And clients as well. And yes, sir. We have, we've, we've, we've got the QR codes on our, on our first piece of walk literature that we're, that we're getting out. And, um, you know, I, I thank you for, for mentioning the redistricting. That was also a project of mine, a policy that we wrote. And, and we created a, a redistricting commission at the county for time that's ever happened. You know, I, I think that, uh, you know, voting access is really important and making sure that politics and, and partisan uh, gerrymandering stays out of that redistricting process is, is important because uh, that's how people get disenfranchised. And mm -hmm. I, I also was uh, the the only one that, on the commissioner's court that was pushing for uh, election reform and, and this last uh, presidential election you know, it, uh, it was because of my office's advocacy that we had that we went to vote centers, which means we anybody can vote at, at any polling place now on, on election day. Um, and you know, we also pushed to make sure that we had the curbside uh, voting available, the drive-through voting available. Yeah. Pushed to make sure that we sent out uh, the ballot, the mail-in ballot applications to all uh, all of the all, everybody who is disabled. Instead of just waiting for people to ask us, we just went ahead and, and, and sent, it, sent them out to, to everybody, uh, as, as well as increasing um, hours at polling polling places. A lot of that uh, was was preempted by a, a bill, a law that was passed at the state legislature. But you know, we, we heard a lot about Harris County doing those things, but here in El Paso County, we did those things too, and that and that was at my at my request. And so, um, you know, voters are very important to me. Amen to that. Yes, sir. So, well, Mr. Stout, Mr. Bautista, thank you, sir. I salute you for what you do for the community. And if you want to come back, you're more than welcome. Everyone, you're watching the No Vision Internet Radio Show. Thank you, Mr. Stout. Thank you, Mr. Bautista. Thank you. Bye-bye.